0: Good evening how are you guys doing this evening got a few of those that are logged on god bless you guys uh welcome to wednesday night bible study and uh it's always a blessing to be able to share the word of god and uh i love our study in the book of luke the gospel of luke um and it's really neat to put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples and place ourselves right there with the lord and to see the things that he taught them and to see the things that he did with them and um, how he interacted with them and uh, the lord always working and teaching his disciples to grow in the lord to grow in their faith to grow in christ and as we look at Mark chapter eight tonight, we see this. We see uh, Jesus and his disciples um, going around from different places, and <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, you know Jesus did many miracles and he taught many things and and just really interesting to see how he interacts with the disciples. And as we come to Mark 8, we've been seeing these things, but I really want us to put our, ourselves in the shoes of the disciples because the things that Jesus teaches them and shows them and interacts with them is the same way that he interacts with you and I today. So <clears throat> why don't we have a word of prayer and we will jump into our Bible study. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for tonight. Our time in the Word. We know, Lord, that uh, your Word never returns void. So we're thankful, Lord, uh, for your Word, and we thank you for your Spirit to bring uh, interpretation and application for each one of us, Lord. And I pray for all those that are going to be watching tonight and listening tonight, Lord, that you would bless them with your Word, that you would encourage them, build them up in the faith. Uh, that they might draw closer to you, Lord, knowing that you have specific instructions for us, Lord, on how to walk on this earth, to, to be in the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, <clears throat> just speak to each one of our hearts, Lord. You know where each one of us are in our relationship with you, what each one of us need, Lord, spiritually speaking. And so, God, would you just bless us with this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's pick up in verse 1 of Mark chapter 8. It says, In those days when there was again a large crowd, and they had nothing to eat, and Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people. They have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. And so here, verse 1, Jesus called out to his disciples. And again, this is, you know, the focus of all the Gospels and especially the Gospel of Mark where Jesus was leading and teaching his disciples. And we're going to see again how Jesus was very purposeful intentional as he spent time with his disciples and you know this is an essential for you and I in our walk with the Lord that that we spend time with the Lord because he delights in spending time with us and and so it's it's so important that we are in his word in prayer and in fellowship with other believers um, you know for us you know the very basic definition of a disciple is an apprentice one who follows after jesus jesus uh, we are his apprentices so apprentice watches the master the way he lives and then they uh, live accordingly and so when we're in the word of god and especially tonight as we see jesus teaching these disciples these many things You know the Lord is desiring for us to grow to mature and we're going to see that very clearly how he interacts with his disciples and we see here Jesus says he feels compassion for the people and this sounds familiar doesn't it another large crowd uh, who was hungry and Jesus feeling compassion on the hungry multitude Uh, back in chapter 6 um, it's recorded, and we looked at that a few weeks ago, that Jesus fed 5,000 men. And so there were several more thousand, but 5,000 men. Here in chapter 8, this is a, another uh, miracle that Jesus is going to do. But again, we see the people were hungry, and we see that Jesus had compassion for the people. And verse 4, it says, And his disciples answered him, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And so it's interesting here, and again, this is what Jesus is doing. He called out to his disciples. He told them that he felt compassion for the multitude, the the, the crowd that was hungry. And again, Jesus performed a miracle Uh, feeding those 5,000 with five loaves and two fish in Mark chapter 6. And as he's telling the disciples, you know, of the situation, they're asking, where will anyone find enough bread here to feed the people, to satisfy the people? And so they answer in a very negative way. They answer, uh, you know, without a, a memory of, Jesus feeding the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. And so when they answered negatively, it reminds me of some people that, you know, maybe they're not close to the Lord or not walking as they ought to. But, you know, the Lord is positive in that with faith, all things are possible with God. Now, the disciples, they've already witnessed Jesus do a miracle, a feeding 5,000 men. In fact, the disciples played a very significant part in that miracle of feeding the 5,000 men. They took part in the miracle. And so here they're wondering and forgetting, basically, of what Jesus had done. So, verse 5 it says, And he was asking them, How many loaves do we have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them, and started giving them to his disciples to serve them, and they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away. And immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmanutha. And so let's make sure we see this very special teaching moment, Jesus teaching his disciples faith. Again, the disciples answered the question that Jesus asked them, about, uh, or or sharing with them, of, I completely drew a blank. Okay, <laughs> when Jesus mentioned to them about feeding the five, uh, you know, having compassion on them, they answered negatively. Simply put, not remembering. And then Jesus does something that I think is very key for you and I. You know, sometimes we can be negative. Sometimes we think and speak without faith. Sometimes we want to mention how crummy things are. And sometimes it's a reflection of where we are with the Lord, of God not reigning in our heart, not being king in our heart. Notice what Jesus does here, what Jesus did. He directed the people and he took the seven loaves And he gave thanks and broke them. So before he does the miracle, he prays to the Father a prayer of thanksgiving. And the faithfulness of God is that we see God will perform this miracle. You know, it's so important, no matter what we have going on in our life, that we are thankful to the Lord. Oftentimes when we grumble and we complain about our circumstances in life, it could be just from simply an unthankful heart. And I think uh, you know this scripture in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, where Paul encouraged the church at Philippi, saying, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving, Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I think Jesus shows us here how important it is, first and foremost, to have a thankful heart to the Lord. Oftentimes we're shown as we Surrender our will to the Lord. He's going to show us many things. And oftentimes, even in the midst of tough circumstances in our life, God's going to reveal to us other people have it a lot worse than what we do. And it, once again, it, it reminds us how important it is to trust the Lord. Uh, certainly, when we get bad news in our life, maybe it's bad news from a doctor, maybe it's a loss of a job, but how do we respond? You know, the Lord would want us to respond in faith, to trust in him, knowing that he is in control of the situation. And so Jesus here, he gives thanks to the to the Father, and he started giving to his disciples to serve them, and they served them to the people. And it's interesting that um, Jesus ordered the disciples to serve them, and then he asked for a blessing on the fish, and he it says he ordered these to be served as well. So he's telling the disciples. He's ordered them to serve them as well. And there's another uh, good example of our being a servant of the Lord because Jesus was always a servant. You know, too many people have in their mindset that God owes them, that I can come to God without ever thinking, you know, and and getting a blessing from God without ever thinking, maybe it's my life is to bless the Lord. And so many times we get a, a reverse thinking that we ask from God, we want God to do this, we want God to do that, and when He doesn't, we grumble. Perhaps the Lord is wanting to do a work in our life, in our heart, and maybe He wants us to focus on How can I bless the Lord? How can I bless my Father in heaven? And that will lead us to having a heart of thanksgiving. Verse 11, it says, The Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And it's interesting, the Pharisees now, these Jewish religious leaders come out, and they begin to argue with him. And right there you should underline the word argue. It doesn't make sense for anybody to argue with the Lord. But here they are, these religious leaders, they're arguing with him, and they're demanding that Jesus do a sign, and when it says sign here, they are wanting him to do something very extraordinary. But I think it's interesting, did he not just do something extraordinary? Did he not just feed 4,000 that were there with how many loaves of bread? Seven, and a few small fish, and he fed over 4,000 people. And so they they uh, come to Jesus, and it shows us here, It says that Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. And I believe that Jesus sighed because he sees and he's experiencing the hardness of the hearts of the Pharisees. They were blinded to who Jesus was. Their minds were already made up as to who Jesus should say who he wasn't. And therefore they couldn't see the light. The light was shining on them the light of the, you know, Jesus, and they rejected Jesus. Now, because they were the Jewish religious leaders, they were to inspect everyone and to take what they said and to, in a sense, judge them. But here, Jesus is before them. They, they have hardened hearts. They've already got their mind made up about Jesus. And, you know, there are many people today that already have their mind made up of Jesus. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, people proclaim, well, you know, if Jesus would just do a miracle in my life, then maybe I would believe. And, you know, that's just not the case. That doesn't happen. The Lord still does miracles today. Um, but I'm reminded, what, what is the premise or, or what is the purpose of miracles? Well, I'm reminded in John's gospel, in John chapter 20, Verse 30, it says therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so as Jesus is sharing this with the disciples or excuse me, with the Pharisees, he goes away then and he's with his disciples and this is a very intimate time that Jesus had with his disciples. Look at verse 14 it says and they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was saying or he was giving orders to them saying watch out beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so this is Again, another great lesson that Jesus was teaching his disciples. And one thing just came to, to, came to mind. You know, in, in discipleship, in our learning to follow the Lord, it's not just about intaking the Bible. The Lord is going to put us in situations in life to express our faith in him. Every day we're put in situations, maybe circumstances, that we have opportunities to demonstrate that we are followers of the Lord. And here the, uh, the disciples, you know, they've witnessed the many miracles. They've witnessed this last miracle of feeding the 4,000 as they took part of it again. And then we uh, see that uh, the disciples witnessed the unbelief of the Pharisees, and now Jesus is going to be sharing with them another spiritual lesson. Uh, the disciples witnessed this, and you know, not only will Jesus teach us in life situations, but then it's important that we are in the Word of God. They the two go hand in hand. I you know, I read a Facebook post uh, a couple months ago, and it kind of has stuck with me. Um, it said uh, from another professing believer, we have, a, we have enough teaching out there. We need signs and wonders. And I thought that was interesting. That doesn't quite line up with the scriptures. Yeah, we want to see signs and wonders. We want to see God do magnificent things to, to bring glory to himself. But uh, we have to be in the word of God to be able to judge things. We have to be able to, in the word of God, to discern things. And it's in the word of God that we know that we're truly following Jesus. Now, as Jesus mentions leaven, we know that leaven symbolizes sin, a type of corruption. Of course, the sin of the Pharisees and Herod was pride and control. Um, Simply put, it was worldliness. It's man's heart without God. And that's, you know, we can describe a man who is prideful, A man that does not acknowledge God? You know, thinking about, can man live without God? Well, I think we're seeing on this earth, the more man tries to live without God, the more chaotic it gets. What is man's greatest problem? Well, man's greatest problem is that he shakes his fist at God and says, I do not need you. And that is a result of even all the things that we're experiencing today. Can man live without God? And the answer to that is no. Because without God, man's heart is prideful, man's heart is hardened, and man's heart is separated from God. So he's sharing this with the disciples, and then verse 16, it says, they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you pick up? And they said to him, 12. When I broke the seven, For the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he was saying to them, Do you not yet understand? And so Jesus uses a visual sight here. You know, uh, the Pharisees' hearts were hardened. Jesus now is teaching them a spiritual lesson. And he points to the two separate miracles. Remember back in Mark chapter 6, Jesus used uh, the five loaves and the two fish. Um, and then here in uh, Mark chapter 8, he uses the seven. And he asked the disciples very intently, how many did we pick up? And what's Jesus doing? Jesus is wanting them to be reminded, to remember that he did that miracle back in mark chapter six he's wanted them to see, did you not see me work? did you not see me provide? Did you not see me and what I did satisfy the people? Do you not see that I have compassion on them and I worked the mighty work of God? and so this is so important for you and I. We need to be careful that we don't allow our hearts to be hardened uh you know around those who don't believe you know leaven we can allow leaven come into our life pride you know we can you know be filled with the word of god on sundays but on monday morning we challenged by the world and and uh and you know get somebody else's opinion and really be challenged we need to be always thinking of what the lord teaches and he's always wanting us to see that all things are possible That's what he's teaching the disciples here as they travel around uh, the land there, as he's teaching people the kingdom of God. He's teaching them that with God all things are possible. He's teaching the disciples and what it would be following him. And what a great lesson for you and I. Can you imagine in your life not following the Lord, not having the Lord in your heart? And he asked the question, do you not understand? Again, we have Jesus always wanting us to think according to the kingdom. You know, we live in a different kingdom. Do you understand that? We live in a whole different realm. Our citizenship is in heaven. The disciples, as they came to Jesus and as he was leading them around, teaching them the things about uh, the kingdom... He was teaching them that they were they were going to be totally different, separated from this world. That's what kingdom living is. We're separated from this current world that we live in, and this world has nothing to offer for us. It's interesting when Jesus says these things and he's teaching them. Uh, I I I would love to have him had recorded his tone, his you know his maybe his body language, uh, you know. Oftentimes when I read the scriptures, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, I I might interject my own feeling. You you guys are a bunch of knuckleheads. Didn't, didn't you see him do that miracle a while back? Couldn't you see that he was wanting you to follow him? What Didn't you see that he was wanting to bless you of learning these things? Jesus wasn't talking to them like that. He asked them, do you not yet understand? He was teaching them and showing them. And then it goes on to say in verse 22, it says, And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus, and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men. For I see them like trees walking around. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So it's interesting here. That they brought this blind man to Jesus. And then Jesus Took the blind man out of the village. And it's seemingly because people had already had hardened hearts. They had their mind made up of Jesus. But some of them brought this man to Jesus. They're wanting Jesus to touch him, uh, the blind man. And so they're trusting in Jesus for the miracle, for the work of God. And then Jesus takes the blind man, he takes him away. This is interesting to me. And then Jesus did the miracle. And, you know, it reminds me if our, you know, if if our heart isn't in the right place, you know, for these folks, their heart altogether, corporately, I guess you would say, um, if their heart's not in the right place, they wouldn't see the miracle. Jesus took the blind man away um, out of the crowd. And this applies to you and I. When our hearts aren't right with the Lord and we're not, seeking God in our life, if we are, you know, grumbling and complaining about our life and our circumstances and our situation and not having a thankful heart and not seeking God, you know, we're not going to see the miracle of God move. We're not going to see God move in our hearts He's not, in, or in our midst because we can develop hardened hearts against the Lord. We can you know, in one sentence we can say, oh Lord, I I want you to do these things in my life, but yet our heart can be hardened and not truly seeking him. And, but with God, all things are possible. And it's amazing how the Lord works, even in this situation. He's always working out faith. The Lord is always drawing us to follow him, He's always wanting us to demonstrate faith, and it's amazing here. Did you catch how this worked out here? It's, it says in verse 25, "Then again, he laid his hands on the eye." So Jesus touched the guy two times. Now some would say, "Well, gee, um, that man must not had faith." Real quick story: I remember when I first got saved that I was given some false counsel. I was talking to a brother who seemingly had walked with the Lord for a very long time. And he told me that you only have to ask God one time. You don't need to ask him two times or three times more. Just ask him one time. And that's always stuck with me because I found out that's not true. Sometimes God's waiting on for you and me to move to demonstrate faith that he can come in and to do a mighty work of God. But our hearts have to be open. And sometimes I think of people that, you know, there are some, even in our midst, that we dearly love. That, you know, it, it took a while for, for, the, for a transformation to truly take place. You know, some people, they come, they get saved. They come to the Lord, they get saved, right? They have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. But their lifestyle, it takes, it takes a while for things to, what we would say, catch on. It doesn't mean the Lord gives up to them while they're struggling. For some people, it takes longer to have that radical transformation in their life. I know when I came to the Lord, there was radical transformation, but there were things that, uh, you know, the Lord took away from my life immediately. Uh, One thing he took away immediately was my foul mouth, uh, potty mouth. I was a sailor, and I used words that sailors use that you don't use in front of your, your family. The Lord took that immediately from me when I gave my heart to him and I confessed Christ as my Lord and Savior. But there were other things in my life that seemingly God was waiting on for me to give to him out of wanting to be a blessing to him, out of faith and adoration, acknowledge him, him as the Lord of my life. And so for those who might be struggling and whatever it might be, uh, maybe you have made that profession of faith, but yet your life, you you haven't transformed. Maybe the Lord's just waiting on you to be touched again. And I encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord. He's there. He's waiting on you uh, to, to call out to him. So this blind man, he calls out, you know, the Lord touches him and um I'm also reminded when we think of Jesus spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him and then asking him, do you see anything? You know, Jesus could have just touched him and the man be healed. Jesus could have done that. You know, there's times that Jesus did that. There's times that he touched a leper and there's other times that he healed without touching a leper. There's times that Um, you know, he touched an individual and then he not touched an individual. We can never put God in a box and how he does things. And when we put God in a box, it has the tendency, and most likely um, it will lead for us to to dry up. It will lead for us to become hardened. Um, You know, sometimes, uh, you know, for instance, talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are some people that have a very rigid view of the Holy Spirit. And in other words, they don't necessarily believe in the gifts for today, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit was for a certain time. In uh, you know, the New Testament days or in the early church. Um, but really, we all should be seeking the Holy Spirit in our life. Always wanting a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. You see, if if I'm only focused on when I received the Holy Spirit the day that I got saved, most likely I'm going to go on in my life and I'm always going to be looking back to the day I got saved. The Lord, the Holy Spirit is wanting to manifest Himself to each one of us every single day. And the Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus. And we need that fresh filling. And so just kind of going along the same lines is that we can never put God in a box. He has worked in ways in my life that he may have worked in a different way in your life and vice versa. We can never put God in a box. We, You know, sometimes God might get bored with us that we try to limit the way God can work, you know. And uh, the the Lord, again, he's teaching his disciples these things that, you know, certainly are teaching you and I uh, as application for us to grow in our faith. So now verse 27, after Jesus has healed the blind man, the disciples see this. And it says, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, saying, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them, To tell no one about him. So the disciples were seeing these miracles. And now they have this conversation with Jesus where, you know, they've witnessed Jesus do many things. They've heard his teaching. And he asked them, who do people say that I am? And then he asked them, who do you say I am? You know, just as we've seen here with just a, a few, there are very many different opinions of who Jesus Christ is. But the real question is, who do you say that he is? Who do you say? You know, Peter said, thou art the Christ. When he said that, he's referring specifically, you are the one, you are the anointed one, you're the chosen one, you are the Messiah, the one who is promised. You you have healed the blind. You've healed the lame. You've raised the dead. You've proven you are the Messiah. And so in this, and it says back in Matthew 16 that Peter was getting a revelation from the Father. And for you and I, we can come up in our minds different things about Jesus, of who he is. And there's many different Opinions out there today of who Jesus is. Some say, well, he was just a great teacher. He was just a great man. He was just uh, a great moral example. But here Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Chosen One, the Anointed One, the Messiah. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. And uh, when, when he says, And he warned them not to tell no one about him. Uh, Basically, Jesus was basically telling him, don't go and tell, don't get caught up in the meaning of the Messiah. You know, for you and I, who is Jesus? Is he the one that you just call out to because Jesus makes me feel good? Or is he, Jesus, the one who was promised by our Father, to go to the cross to die for our sin. And he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And he's redeemed us, and he's resurrected. He's the living Jesus. Um, who do you say Jesus is? Now we might, you know, well, Jim, we, we know who Jesus is as we're having technical difficulties. Isn't that interesting? I'm asking you who Jesus is at a very important time. Who do you say Jesus is? We're having internet trouble. Who is Jesus to you? He's your Lord. He's your Savior. Listen, if you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've asked God to forgive you of your sin and you've admitted you're a sinner and you believe in your heart that Jesus was sent and you confess, Jesus is your Redeemer. He's just not some man. He's not fluffy Jesus in the sky. He's the one who was sent to die on the cross for your sin. And he's opened up our access to our heavenly father. And we get to have a relationship with God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. And we learn these things by getting into the word of God. Jesus isn't just a feeling. I don't know about you and as we talk so much about you know end times and you know end times is heavy on my heart and when I think of who is Jesus yes he's the lord of my life but he's also coming back for me the rapture of the church if you're a believer Jesus is coming and you're going to meet Jesus in the air and then a revelation, later on a revelation at the second coming of Jesus, we're going to be with Jesus coming back to the earth on white horses. And that's exciting. And that thought alone, who Jesus is to me, it gives me peace. When I look at all the world that's going, everything going on in the world today, all this chaos and goofiness and, you know, uh, Not to make light of the virus, it's very real, but there are things going on, folks. The spiritual battle being played out right here on earth. But I have peace because I know who Jesus is. I know He's in control. And I know the promises that are found in His Word. And when I look to Him, as Jesus was teaching the disciples, when we look to Him, we're going to have that peace of understanding because we're going to focus first, Lord, I'm just so thankful for my salvation. That is a thought, folks, that... I pray that it's on our heart every single morning. Lord, I, th- I thank you for my salvation. I thank you, Lord, that you revealed yourself to me. And when you think about Peter, he had that revelation And for, for, for me and you. We didn't go out, you know, I'm going to find God today. I'm going I'm to meet Jesus today. As it says in John chapter six forty four. it's the Father who drew, drew you to him. So many people want to sign. Oh, if God would just do this. We, it comes down to who do you say Jesus is? Be encouraged in that. Who do you say Jesus is? So he says not to go out and warn anybody. Don't get caught up with all who they're saying about the Messiah. Verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priest and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he was starting the matter, stating the, the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Wow, this is interesting. So Jesus says, And verse 31, the Son of Man, the Son of Man. This is a reference back in Daniel, the Son of Man, referring to the Messiah, and the Messiah would come. And that he was, and Jesus is saying here, he would suffer many things. You know, in Isaiah 53, a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, written 700 years prior to the coming of Jesus, I want to encourage you to read it, folks, again, because we reminded how much God is in control. 700 years prior to Jesus' coming, it's prophesied the very things that we see Jesus going to the cross and how he was bruised for our transgressions and how he was uh, you know, on the cross and how he was beaten and all these things, and it, it's even... So many things in Isaiah 53 pointing to the truth, the Son of Man. But it's interesting here in verse 32, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. What's wrong with this picture? Peter just said, Thou art the Christ. And now he's Jesus starts talking to them to his disciples about how he came to suffer and they're going to Jerusalem. And he's going to be killed and three days rise again. In other gospels, Jesus was telling that. And then an argument broke out amongst the, the disciples to, to arguing who was the greatest among them. And so this tells us the heart's not right. The mind's not right. And we have Peter here. This is interesting. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Why? Well, he's telling Jesus, "You're not going to die. You're not going to rise again. None of you're not going to suffer." That's not the Jesus I have in my mind. You're the Christ. That can't be. And then Jesus he turns around, and he looks at all his disciples, and he rebukes Peter, "Get behind me, Satan!" Why did Jesus say that? Well, because Peter denying what jesus was going to do i.e go to the cross suffer for your sin and my sin and then rise again on the third day that's the same thing that satan tries tried to do with jesus remember and uh, matthew you know jesus was tempted in matthew 4 and other places we read how jesus was tempted satan said you bow down to me and i'll give it all to you jesus And then even in the garden, when Jesus is praying to the Father, when He was going through so much agony because He understood that He was going to die for the sins of man, meaning He was on that cross, He was going to experience the full wrath of God for every sin that would ever be committed on the face of this earth by man. Jesus went to the cross and He experienced that wrath. And at this time, He's telling His disciples and he's telling Peter specifically, get behind me, Satan, because your mindset is the same as Satan because I have a mission to do and I'm going to that cross to suffer because that's the will of my Father for me. And when you and I put the interest of our own lives in front of the Lord, when we aren't mindful of the things of God, when we live according to a different kingdom, Here on earth, you know, in the spirit, it's get behind Satan because we're not lining up with the will of God. We live in a different kingdom, and this is what Jesus is teaching the disciples. It's a big difference living in the kingdom of God rather than a kingdom of the world. We're seeing the kingdom of the world grasping for power even today. Folks, listen. All this stuff going on this power grabbed by the globalists, this is all part of the kingdom set up without God. Their king, their idol is themselves. And the, the spiritual uh, going on about it all, it's Satan rebelling against God. And you have two kingdoms here on this earth. You have God's kingdom and you have another kingdom. As believers we are in the kingdom of God. And so all this power struggle, it's about power, it's about kingdom, it's all leading to a new world order, the new world order where the antichrist will soon be appearing. All these dots are being connected today, folks. It's all in the scriptures of end times. But again, I know who Jesus is and I'm not fearful. And I'm not fearful as a Bible-believing Christian of the mark of the beast, because the rapture happens, we're taken out as believers, we'll meet Jesus in the air before that mark of the beast. So don't be afraid of the mark of the beast if you're a believer, you're not going to receive the mark of the beast. Now those who are left behind that will go through that tribulation period, and it comes time, if they're not taken out or They haven't given their lives to the Lord at that time. They're going to be given that choice to take the mark of the beast. Actually, they're not. It's not a choice. They're going to be forced to take it. Those believers here on Earth at that time, they won't take it, but that's going to be a time what the Bible describes as a literal hell on Earth. for that last three and a half years of that tribulation. But again, the kingdom get behind me, Satan, the kingdom of the enemy. And again, you and I in our life, as Jesus is teaching his disciples, our focus must be on the kingdom in which we belong to. And Jesus is our king. And he goes on and explains it some more. And he summoned the crowd with the disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. I love this how it's it's pointed out. He summons the crowd and he tells them. See what Jesus teaches here goes directly against the kingdom of this world. Jesus came to suffer, and as we are his apprentices, as we are his followers, he teaches us to live in the kingdom according to the way he lived in the kingdom. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. See, that's not popular, is it? That goes against the worldly kingdom here on earth. Because the worldly kingdom on this earth has nothing to do with denying yourself. It's all about yourself. But Jesus says, deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. So again, this lesson of discipleship he goes on to say for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul for what will a man give in exchange for his soul that my friends is a loaded question for today what will man give up And forfeit his soul. It's interesting and keeping in mind that as Peter is hearing these things, hearing Jesus teach him, what Jesus is telling them to paraphrase living in his kingdom, it's not about you. It's about others. It's about living for the Lord. It's interesting, this Peter, this one who Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, because Peter was not setting his mind on the interest of God, but on himself and the man's. It's this very same Peter. As you read his epistles, First and 2 Peter, the word grace many, many, many times he uses in giving exhortation to believers. In fact, in 2 Peter, Chapter 3, listen to this. This is how awesome God is. This is how God can work in our lives when we take up the cross, we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. This is what happens when the, the transformation that takes place. Listen, his final words in his second epistle. He says, you therefore, beloved, he's, he's talking to believers. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Listen, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This is Peter who Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. This is Peter whom we know that denied Jesus three times. And he felt horrible he was convicted he was in a bad place but we see in, that the lord restored peter peter do you love me peter do you love me peter do you love me and then the transformation as peter did surrender himself he did deny himself take up the cross and he followed jesus when jesus ascended to the right hand of the father Um, You know, Peter there in Acts chapter 2 gave the best sermon ever, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we see Peter go on encouraging believers all because of the grace of God working in him. And this is how God wants to work in your life and in my life. He wants his grace to abound in our hearts, his love to abound in our hearts that we would live, live to him, live for him, live to him. He's the king of our kingdom and then verse 38, it says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I love that. The Lord desires that we would live not ashamed of him. And other places in Scripture, that says, if we confess Jesus as Lord, our Heavenly Father will acknowledge us. That's paraphrased. Um, as we read this, I am super encouraged and reminded, as you look at the disciples, they made many errors, Peter especially, it It's as if he was always sticking his foot in his mouth, always running ahead of the Lord, and yet the Lord gave them all grace. He was teaching them. He was showing them how to live in the kingdom, and that's what the Lord does with you and I today. He teaches us that we might live in his kingdom. And again, I pray that this would be a blessing to, to all of us. You know, when it comes down to it, It comes down to our faith in the Lord that we will overcome on this earth. And we don't have to fear anything as time is growing short. uh, We need to keep our eyes on the Lord, experience his grace, and be all about living in his kingdom. Being reminded that this life on earth, this is not our home. This isn't what it's always going to be like. We are just going through life here on earth as a blip. One day is coming that we will be in eternity with him. And all the nonsense that takes place on this earth In the kingdom of God, there won't be any of that. It will be absolute perfection, absolute a blessing for for God's creation and what he designed and what he desired for us. So with that, uh, we'll close. does anybody have any prayer requests? We wanna pray uh, uh, before we close tonight. I do have a couple. I want to, want us to continue to pray for Aaron Suchlin, who's recovering from surgery. I like to ask prayer for, for my dad who had carpal tunnel surgery yesterday, and he's doing well. We pray that um, he will heal. Um, we wanna pray for Pam Kennedy and Emily, Uh, Her daughter Emily soon will be going to the House of Hope in Salina, so I think that will be a great thing. We want to be praying for them. Uh, Jenny asked prayer for Karis. We definitely need to be praying for Karis. Please pray for her daily. She is in the you know overseas, and we're not sure if we can have communication with her right now. So we pray that uh, just pray that God would put a hedge of protection around her. And just, she's doing God's work, being a blessing to others. We look forward to hearing from her. Um, uh, I see Shauna has an unspoken. Uh, please continue to pray for Kathy Forward. Um, she's, as you know, has COVID-19. And she. I have not conversed with her today, but uh, she's not, was not any worse yesterday. I believe she's going to be getting retested. Um uh, Friday, and so we, we uh, just pray for healing for her. Angie Storr asked prayer for Frank uh, falling in health, failing in health, so we definitely wanna pray for Frank. So uh, why don't we just have a word of prayer? Um, just because you can't hear me doesn't mean you can't pray. <laughs> so um, So looking forward, folks, to be able to meet again on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're praying about perhaps opening up next uh, uh, next Wednesday night uh, for Bible study. We believe we can be just as scattered about our church as we are on Sunday mornings. Praise God if we were able to meet Sunday morning. We're going to meet this Sunday morning. We'll be spread out. And uh, so please join us in praying for next Wednesday night. Uh, Aaron also asked prayer for Lisa. We want to pray for her as she ministers to her husband and... Um, I don't see any more. Why don't we go ahead and pray uh, for these um, prayer requests and just give thanks to the Lord. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for our Bible study tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word. and, Lord, so many things that we could just camp out on in Mark chapter 8, but as you've shown me, Lord, you reminded me of how the disciples were taught. They were taught the word of God from the savior. And then they were put in situations in life uh, to demonstrate faith, to demonstrate wisdom, the application of the knowledge they had, not not just in a textbook way, Lord, but uh, in a spiritual way. And as Jesus asked his disciples, if they had ears to hear and eyes to see, he asked us the same. He asks us every minute, who, who do you say that I am? And so, Lord, we pray that for these things that we looked at in your word tonight, that your Holy Spirit would bring remembrance to us, Lord. Maybe even in this hour, Lord, is, uh, maybe you're just waiting for us to pray with thanksgiving, that we would look to you giving thanks to you for our salvation. Maybe there are circumstances going on in our lives, Lord, that is very heavy. And maybe we have a heart of, maybe it's being hardened, Lord. Maybe we're complaining in the spirit. Maybe you're just waiting on us to throw our arms up to you and say, Lord, you are a good, good father. And we look to you for strength and wisdom. Even at this hour, we don't understand, Lord, but our eyes are on you. Lord, just bless those that might be in that place tonight. Just bless them with your presence May they just speak forth the word of who you are, Lord. May their faith be renewed. And we pray for those, Lord, that might be struggling in the faith, perhaps not fully on their road. We thank you, God, that that you work, that you never give up on us, Lord. And so we pray for them, that you would strengthen them, Lord. Maybe they, too, just need to, um, as you, you know, asked and ordered the disciples uh, to, to hand out the fish. Maybe you're asking something of us, Lord. Maybe you're wanting us to demonstrate faith by action for us to be, to be blessed and for you to be glorified. Whatever it might be, Lord, just work out your perfect way in our hearts. And Lord, we have many requests tonight. You know each and every one of them. We're so thankful for Aaron's surgery, Lord. We pray that he continues to heal. We pray, God, that you would comfort him and give him peace in his heart. And we pray for Lisa, Lord. We pray that you give her strength as well. Lord, we just pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a mighty way, that they would be renewed in strength and knowing that you're a God who loves them, a God who has a plan for them and so thankful for their salvation in you, Lord Jesus. Would you just bless them in a mighty way. Let them know how much you love them, Lord. And we pray for our sister, Karis, tonight, Lord, as she is really in the Middle East, Lord. And uh, we pray just a hedge of protection around her, Lord. We pray that uh, her ministry, uh, what she's doing right now, Lord, would bring much fruit into the kingdom of God. Lord, that she would be touching lives, that she would be just a great example. So even now, Lord, we pray specifically for that fresh filling of your spirit to just put fuel in her tank, Lord, spiritual fuel that you would just enlighten her to continue to be a blessing to others lord and father god we pray for those that she's ministering to lord we pray for for those that would come into the kingdom and lord we pray for shauna tonight who has it unspoken lord we're so thankful that you are you're omniscient lord you know all things and even as you ask these disciples of you know how many fish or how many loaves did you pick up how many baskets did you pick up you knew you were always drawing out faith perhaps tonight lord you're wanting to draw out faith in shauna lord may she answer that question in her heart of who you are that she would say the lord jesus christ my savior and that would bring much peace to her lord you're also provider and healer lord you are the great physician your ways are perfect Uh, You're mighty in all of your ways, and so just work in that way, Lord. Uh, Lord, we pray for Kathy Forward tonight. We pray continued healing upon her, God. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that she didn't have to be hospitalized and going down a path that so many people in the world have gone, Lord, has lost their life to COVID-19 we pray for those families right now Lord that have lost family members and friends but we're thankful Lord that Kathy's not in the hospital and she's home and she's recovering we pray Lord that your Holy Spirit would comfort her Lord just uh, you know continue to clear out her lungs continue to heal her body from coughing and Lord just may your presence be with her strengthen her at this hour Lord uh, Lord, we thank you for the many other requests. I, I don't remember them, Lord, but you do. And we just want you to work in a special way. I, uh, every person watching tonight or listening, God, that we're in great need of you. And we need your help and we need your wisdom. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would just bring an end, Lord, to this COVID-19, the virus, that you would bring back to a sense of normal, But, Lord, we don't know what it's going to look like. And we also know that you have a plan that you're working out perfectly. So help us not look at our circumstances. Help us to look to you, Lord, that we might be light to others, that our walk with you might be salt to others, Lord. And, Lord, we pray for uh, Josh Carpenter tonight, Lord, who's just, Lord, just maybe he's the one you want to touch again. Maybe you've touched him, Lord, in his eyes. You've asked him to see, and now he needs a touch again. Would you just do that right now, Lord? Would you touch him that his eyes would be completely open and that he would know without a doubt that it's you, Jesus? And so, Father, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. And, Lord, we do ask with thanksgiving, these supplications, and I pray, as your word says, and as we read earlier tonight, Lord, that the peace of all understanding would be given to us, that our minds would be guarded in Christ Jesus. For we know who you are, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to Sunday morning. Uh, if you need anything, please call me, uh, text me, any prayer request? Um, we're doing great in the Lord. And we're ready to worship Sunday morning. But we can worship him every day as well. So God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.